This is Sam Rajofsky, and you're listening to The What's Right Show, your sanity lifeline uh, in these troubled times. Uh, Instagram, Twitter, at What's Right Show is where you find us. And as per usual, we are live from the entertainment capital of the world, beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada, right here in downtown. Uh, Friends, listen, uh, I don't understand uh, these... California Democrats one bit. Now, the only reason that I say California Democrats is because they're moving here to Nevada en masse. It's a fancy way of saying that we're being overrun by uh, Californians of all stripes, particularly the ones that voted in the cabal of nincompoops that are running the state next door to us. Uh, I... Look, I I say this uh, because there's news today uh, that uh, Gavin Newsom, the political spirit brother of our own governor here, Mr. Sisolak, uh, is now offering a rebate, free money, designed to help Californians overcome inflation. Now, what is this actually all about? The credit, $1,050, will be direct deposited to Californians, helping them uh, supposedly with rising costs, you know, for you know, the usual basket of goods. Now, <laughs> here's the problem, and I know that you know this because you're shaking your heads looking downcast, understanding that it was government spending and free money that got us into this problem to begin with. It is akin to bringing a flamethrower to try to take out a forest fire. Now, for those of you who are new to the program, let me just explain for a moment basic economics. The way the economy works is that some get more and some get less. It's the nature of the game. That's not a popular thing to say right now, certainly not in public universities, Ivy League institutions and the like. But the fact of the matter is that purchase power has to be uh, varied in order for there to be an even distribution. And by even, I mean a, a, a steady, right, consistent distribution of goods at a market acceptable price. When you come in and suddenly, suddenly, by the way, also means artificially, right? When you artificially give everyone a leg up, by the way, it doesn't matter what that leg is. Uh, it has to be some, you know, number that is, that is material, but the number is, you know, if it's $1,000, $5,000, dollars it doesn't really matter. If all of a sudden every consumer across the board is a little richer, what happens? Their purchase power increases, right? Their ability to spend goes up. Now, when their ability to spend goes up, now they all of a sudden can buy more. Not everybody saves that money. In fact, as a general rule, and 
economists understand this, when you give someone a certain amount of money that they've perhaps not held before, we're not expecting, they typically will spend it. And in spending it in the economy, all of a sudden, the supply and demand curve is adjusted by the aggregate amount of money that was dropped into that economy. And because supply and demand requires an equilibrium between willing buyer, willing seller, all of a sudden prices go up by that gross amount of money that was dropped into the state. So, I mean, if California, what, what is it, 40, 42, 43 million people, uh, you're giving everybody $1,000, do the math, that's a, <laughs> that's a lot of money that's being dropped into the economy. Will that, as an aggregate, have an effect on inflationary rates in California, perhaps beyond even here in Nevada? Yes which is why I'm talking about this. As if California could not screw us over anymore uh, than they already do with importing all sorts of folks that uh, are bringing their politics with them. No, we're grateful for Californians. They come to Nevada and they spend money and they're great customers for the most part. Uh, so we, we appreciate that and we love California. But, you know, there is a problem certainly with their politics. This plan here is so dumb, I don't have words for it. Now here is the, um, the announcement from Newsom himself uh, today on his Twitter account discussing this. He's saying it's only 23 million people, so it could be north of 40. I will take him at his word that it's only, you know, half the state, but here's what Mr. Newsom had to say about all this. On October 7th, up to 23 million Californians will begin to benefit from the nation's largest state tax refund, some $9.5 billion. The first round of these payments, up to $1,050, will be direct deposited to Californians, helping with rising costs from, well, the grocery store to the gas pump. We're doing our best to help offset rising costs. Visit taxrefund.ca.gov to see how much you'll get and when. Um, let me tell you, I think it would behoove some of these good folks to actually take an econ class in college instead of all the gender studies and indigenous people classes that they are uh, more typically enrolled in. Th this is a disaster. This is adding fuel to the fire. I cannot, I cannot, I, I literally cannot understand other than it is designed to be 30 days out from the election, right? October 7th, uh, second week of November, we've got the, uh, the, the midterm. It, it's, it's simply a vote buying campaign. And again, so short-sighted that we have this party willing to throw the economy into the toilet in three months, when usually the pain, it takes a little while, right, for that ripple to be felt through, but they're, they're perfectly willing to pay the price in December for the short-term political gain in November, December, January, February, whatever the case may be. This to me is such a nakedly obvious political play at the expense of a precarious economy.
that I have no words for. Now remember, in the words of the great Thomas Sowell, the welfare state is the oldest con game in the world. That's what he called it. You take people's money away quietly, uh, which, of course, California does very well, right? This is a state that robs people so much so that they eventually throw their hands up in despair and come to, Cal uh, come to Nevada uh, to set up shop. Uh, so there's that. They take people's mon money away quietly, Thomas Sowell wrote, and then give some of it back to them flamboyantly. And that's what this is. The problem is, is that when it's unanticipated give back like this in the middle of an inflation crisis, it creates additional problems economically for people in the long run. So even, let's say, a 23 million people eligible for a $1,000, a $1,050 bonus back, it's billions of, it's just a, an enormous amount of money that has an economic effect. It is the same stupidity, by the way, that Biden has engaged with oil reserves. Well, there, it's, it's not, a, I mean, you've been, if you've been following the story, of course, Biden decided a few months back to begin selling off our strategic petroleum oil supply. Now, if you look at the graph of our petroleum reserve here in the U.S. Uh, going back to the early 80s, uh, you will see that uh, our, our supply kept, you know, for the most part, kept going up and up all the way into, let's say, 2020. Now, at our peak back in 2010, we were at 750 million or so barrels. Today, we are at 300. 50 million barrels, it's a dramatic drop, a precipitous drop in just the last 12 months. Now, the reason we keep oil on hand is, is for example, and imagine this, and for a time of war. Again, Biden perfectly willing to sell our nation's strategic viability advantage for the sake of scoring cheap political points heading into the midterm election. It ought to make us all sick. Uh, so this is, um, this is the same thing, right? So California is giving away money. Maybe it has it, maybe it doesn't. You know, it's a matter of the California budget. The point is, in the middle of inflation, you don't throw money out there. You can create future tax cuts. And if California, if Gavin Newsom were a serious economic stimulator, it's what he would do. He would lower the tax rates and encourage future investment in the state because that is how that works. But, friends, when you're just going, oh, I'm going to give you back a little bit of your money that you paid in, that's not tax cuts. That's stimulus spending, and it has, as demonstrated by what we're going through right now, catastrophic consequences. I have to take a quick break. I will, speaking of money being parachuted into the system, Talk about our superintendent's contract extension. He got a big raise. Hey, I have a question for you. Uh, did you get a raise this year? <laughs> I mean, it's a valid question. Uh, and if you've been as ineffective as Clark County School District, um, would you get a raise? All of this needs to be answered uh, toot sweet. 
and I'll do that when I return. Sam Burjofsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. Greetings, friends, and welcome back to the program. You're listening to The What's Right Show. Sam Rajofsky here on News Talk 840 KXNT. All right, our superintendent of the Clark County School uh, School District uh, was just given a raise. $75,000, an extension uh, for three and a half years on his contract. Uh, This is uh, now for a total of $395,000 a year. By the way, I'm not concerned with that big number. See, I'm not a socialist. (laughs) Look, if, if you're a CEO of a large organization and you're doing good work, you should get paid. The question I have is, is... Superintendent Jesus Jara doing good work. You know, from my vantage point, and I'll, I'll always, uh, folks, I'll always be honest with you and, and transparent. And y- those of you who, who know me uh, and have listened for a while know that, you know, my kids go to private school here in Vegas. And the question you ought to ask is why? And I will tell you, uh, I love my kids. I have the means to send them to private school. And the last point that I think is is relevant to this uh, conversation is my my faith in Clark County public schools is at or around zero. I don't care what scale it is, but it's at, at zero. That's where I'm coming from. I'm just, you know, I'm just a dad. I'm a parent. I have three kids. I want the best for them. And I uh, am a product myself of public schools. I grew up in Orange County, California. You know, we had a Irvine Public School District, very, uh, you know, a, a well-run for the most part school district or used to be. Uh, I was perfectly fine with my kids going to the school. Actually, in fact, fun fact, my, my kids went to the same elementary school that I went to as a kid. Uh, but when we moved to Nevada and I looked around and I saw what was going on here locally with our schools, I said, no, thanks. We have a school district. In part, it's not the school district's fault. Of course, it's coming from the state legislature, which is why I suggest no matter what, who the candidate is, that you vote Republican uh, for state assembly because you have candidates here that are, I mean, the, the, the Democrats up in Carson City continue to shove down restorative justice and other woke agendas onto school districts across the state, which of course negatively impact Las Vegas schools. But then I've got a, I I look at this and I mean, by every standard, we are failing as a district. Subjectively, I ask myself, is there a school I would really want to send my kids to? Answer, no. Objectively, Let me look at the stats. Let me look at the numbers, right? What's the data telling me? Nothing good. And then finally, you know, you have a 
We have a district where mediocrity at every level is being promoted. Teachers get benefits, pay, et cetera, based on their seniority, not based on their achievement. A district held hostage by the teachers' unions. You have a, a guy who's running it, but he's, he, he's not being effective at breaking through this loggerhead, and maybe nobody can, right? But at the same time, it's unacceptable to reward failure. If no one can, then hire a, a loser to run it. Hire a guy that's half the money and, and, and let's save the cash. Because, you know, that's what his defenders tell me. You know what, you know, Jar is a good guy, but he has, you know, he, he's dealt an impossible hand. Okay, then why do we need to give him a raise? This is a, a put... You know, get a dummy in there, to, you know, a, a chair warmer, just sit there, weaken at Bernie's, hire Biden. You know, he might be available in a year or two. <laughs> I mean, you see my point. I've had frustrating, I, uh, I, I have it, of course. You know, Irene Cepeda is one of the people that voted to extend his contract along with Lola Brooks, Evelyn Garcia Morales, and Katie Williams, who is a, a great lady. I'm confused by... Her participation in this, although she, um, I got to be careful. I, I, you know, she she really does like Jara and says that he's a guy that you know is trying his best. But my, you know, my pushback on this is again, if he's trying his best and he can't get it done, then the problem is with the system and the school board. If they can't do anything to fix this then where are we? Now, a lot of you have kids, grandkids, nieces and nephews, or even no kids here in Las Vegas. And guess what we all have in common? And I say we because I, I have kids in, 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 in private school, but we have something in common, even if we don't have kids in Clark County schools. And that is we all love our city. We all love Las Vegas. We love Southern Nevada, and, and, and we want the best for Southern Nevada. It embarrasses us collectively that we see our name, you know, in the bottom two, three, four, five districts nationally. So what's the solution to all this? Is it giving Jara a raise? Nope, it is not. The answer here is to break the thing up. It's a behemoth. Step one, if I had all the power, this is what I would do. I always like to offer constructive solutions here on the program and not just be a complainer. So the first step is you break it up, right? What's good over in Henderson is not what's necessarily good for the east side or good for Summerlin or good for the southwest. You know, you just got to make these school districts small so there's good over oversight. There are individual managers over these areas, and you don't have this giant, you know, awful bureaucracy. And the next step, you have to, you have to look the, the you have to look the, the, the fire-breathing dragon that is the teachers' union in the eyes and stare it down and get vouchers passed. 
Now, you know, this isn't about public schools versus private schools. This is about public versus public. And what do I mean by this? I, it's very simple. You want to give the power uh, uh, to parents to pick and choose their school, to walk with their dollars. When they walk with their dollars, they act like any other consumer in any other area that's not monopolized by the government. And when that happens, they are able to select the best schools. Best schools get the most money, the most money in the schools, get the best teachers, the best teachers, then can hire the best principal, et cetera, et cetera. And it is exactly like everything else. Money drives excellence. Excellence drives money, and it produces the best product for your child. I got to run. I will talk about Hurricane Ian and Biden visiting Florida. Wow. Be back in a moment. What's right, show? In a moment. Personal injury law is constantly changing. Uber and Lyft accidents aren't like other cases, but most law firms haven't kept up. Don't trust a new case to a lawyer who's stuck in the past. Call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234, or visit samandashlaw.com. Bottom of the hour, and you are listening to the What's Right Show. Sam Rajofsky here on News Talk 840 KXNT with both Robbie and Mark supporting the program today. What a dynamic duo this is. I am a, I'm a lucky host, uh, indeed. So, uh, friends, uh, lots going on here, and one of the things I, I want to get to is this visit that I have told you about would eventually happen and would be of some importance. Biden going down to Florida, doing the obligatory presidential tour, looking at the affected areas. And I believe well, a week or so ago, I told you the concern I had with Biden's visit, of course, it being a, a, a potentially a watershed moment for DeSantis in that, for example, after Hurricane Sandy, when, you know, Chris Christie, the rotund Republican governor of New Jersey, embraced, he didn't actually give him a hug, but it was a warm handshake uh, with, Bill, oh, with uh, Obama. Barack Obama came down, and that, of course, kind of killed his presidential chances along with his love for ice cream cones on the Coney boardwalk. So, uh, wasn't Coney, it was, oh yeah, the, um, the beach there. What is that, what is that beach called? Ah, yeah, where they have the show. Anyway, fun fact. So we have that whole dynamic in the background. I think that Governor DeSantis did a great job. He sent the internet a flutter with an image of him standing behind the presidential podium and speaking from it. Fans of DeSantis, uh, almost in universal agreement, that he wore the presidential seal well, <laughs> which I agree. I mean, he did. Not going to lie. But Biden, oh dear goodness, Biden. Uh, no, there wasn't a hug. There was a nice handshake, uh, both uh, the First Lady, uh, Dr. Uh, Jill Biden, noted gerontologist, and, uh, and of course, uh, Governor DeSantis' wife uh, all got together, uh, did a tour, did a presser, uh, but B Biden couldn't help himself. 
but talking about the most pressing issue of the day as people are picking up the pieces of their homes. And this is what Mr. President Biden had to say. Unfortunately, I've been to a lot of disaster areas in the last couple months, uh, last six months. You know, more uh, more fires have burned in the west and the southwest, burned everything right to the ground than the, the entire state of New Jersey, the, the, as much room as that takes up. And the reservoirs out west are, are, are down to almost zero. We're in a situation where the Colorado River looks more like a stream. There's a lot going on. And I think the one thing this has finally ended is a discussion about whether or not there's climate change. We should do something about it. Yeah, the reservoirs out west are down to almost zero. I'm not sure if Biden is talking about Lake Mead here in Las Vegas or the U.S. Strategic Petroleum Oil Reserve. (laughs) I had to. It was right there. So, I mean, I have a question for you. Your home has just been wiped out. The contents of your bedroom, your living room, your kids' rooms, gone. There's some foundations, some timbers left standing up. Um, You have neighbors that have lost everything. Some may be dead. Do you want to hear that? I mean, it's an important question, right? Now, the real problem I have with it is, of course, as per usual, a substantive one, because uh, here on this program, we care less about the emotional and more about the cognitive, right? We don't want our cognitive systems ever to be hijacked by our emotional hardware, which is what our friends on the left do. This is a plea for an emotional response, and it's cheap. Now, if you look at the data, and this is from the belief science crowd, right? I want to point this out. If you look at the data from National Oceanic Atmospheric Administration, you go into all of that. The the fact of the matter is, is that media... Biden and politicians are lying lying about climate change. I mean, we go back to hurricanes and you look at the post-satellite era. There's no long-term trend in hurricane counts. The only evidence for a trend is weaker hurricanes. And if you look at the pre-satellite era, Noah writes... Again, that there's essentially no long-term trend in hurricane counts. Quote, the evidence for an upward trend is even weaker. When we look at U.S. landfalling hurricanes, which show even a slight negative trend beginning in 1900 or from the late 1800s, you know, when there were fewer cows farting into the atmosphere. To make matters worse, NOAA expects a 25% decline in hurricane frequency in the future. These people lie and lie and lie. You know what the difference is? And I'll tell you, this is the dirty secret. The difference is is that our coastal areas are built up a lot more now than they ever have been. I know this. No, I, I, we have an office 
Ash and I, uh, Sam and Ash, we've got an office in Newport Beach, California. One of the reasons why we as a firm are able to represent you in a matter, even if you, for example, are visiting California, because we're both licensed there and have a satellite office there. And in Newport Beach, there are a number of communities that are low-lying, some as few as, we'll call it, feet above sea level. During king tide, they are technically below sea level, right? Streets are below sea level. Those areas were not built up 100 years ago. It's all new. Because why? We are drawn to the water. We like the ocean. And by the way, not everybody, and this is the answer to Kamala Harris, not everybody that lives by the water is rich and white. <clears throat> uh, so there, you know, you know, we're all, everyone affected by this is, in other words, is constitutionally eligible for the same amount of disaster relief support, regardless of their skin color. But if you go back and I, you look at Miami, you look at, at, at Newport Beach, you look at Laguna, you look at all these areas. Uh, where else? Texas even. Uh, New Orleans. These areas got wildly built up along the coasts. And so, yes, the damage from the hurricanes is going up. Yeah, you're right. But it's, I, I'm sorry to say, somewhat self-inflicted, no? But that doesn't sell at least not politically. And Biden politicizing this particular visit down to Florida in post-Hurricane Ian is a major, major loss for him politically. He is the loser in this. Now, he continued his comments, and he couldn't help himself. Biden, oh my goodness, he is kind of like that pervy, you know, dementia-riddled uncle that you have at Thanksgiving uh, dinner. Uh, he just cannot help himself. So here's him throwing a dig. I think it's a dig. I guess it is. Uh, at DeSantis. What the governor's done is pretty remarkable. You so far. I mean, this is what, what, he's, what he's done. In terms of, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, first of all, the biggest thing the governor's done and so many others have done, they've recognized this thing called global warming. The world is changing. Yeah, so what ah, DeSantis is finally, what the governor's done is pretty remarkable. I mean, this is what he's done in terms of, you know, first of all, the biggest thing the governor has done and so many others have done is they've recognized there's a thing called global warming. What a putz. What a D.I. <clears throat> what a total tool. Look, if you voted for Biden uh, and you have regrets, uh, welcome back to the fold. If you voted for Biden and you still think he's a decent dude, uh, you need to get your head examined. This is such a douche thing to say. You know what? You know what DeSantis has done that's pretty remarkable. I don't know. He just got some island connected with the bridge and it took him three days to build it. I don't know. I think that's pretty remarkable. Our governor couldn't find his rear end with two hands in a dark room. I don't know. He's restored power to 95% of the state. I think that's pretty remarkable. 
But what this is all about, folks, is that Biden is profoundly threatened. He's threatened from the left, from his own party. He's threatened by DeSantis. He understands that DeSantis is his likely rival in 24. So he has gone into this diminished and weak, and it is why conservatives are going wild seeing DeSantis behind the state podium, the presidential seal, because DeSantis, not Biden, looked presidential yesterday. All right, friends, I've got to run. Yes, more on the oil industry. Uh, and I, yeah, I'm going to get into the gas prices that are going up. This is, uh, of course, absolutely bananas, and they are going up, so, so buckle up. Uh, it's going to be a ride. Uh, don't go anywhere. The What's Right Show continues in a moment. All right, we're back. Sam Rajofsky, News Talk 840, KXNT. You're listening to The What's Right Show. I have a quick story here I want to talk to you. The descendants of a law school in California, UC Hastings College of Law, is suing California to block the school name change. Yeah, so, you know, a long time ago, uh, the state's first law school was founded by a guy named Hastings, Serranus Clinton Hastings, in 1878. This is after he served as the first chief justice in California. But in 2020, they found out that this guy arrived in California at the gold rush, and he did a lot of bad things to some Indians. That's right. He, um, some of his policies resulted allegedly in the deaths and displacements of hundreds of Yuki Indians. And then he did something, I tell you, he took the land for himself. So all the way back then, what was this, in the 1880s, he donated $100,000 in gold coins to the state to establish a law school. They put his name on it. And Newsom, of course, wants to take that honor away. Enough of this BS. We'll have nothing of our past left if we continue doing this nonsense. Now, the bill quote, ensures that the history and suffering of the Yuki and Round Valley people are not dismissed. This is a critical step toward healing a traumatic history and rectifying wrongs. Give me a break. Whose name are they going to put on it, by the way? Well, this is going to be the Yuki School of Law. By the way, Hastings is a dog crap law school. You ask anybody that goes there, by the way, you get shot, you get stabbed in front of the law school. I, in fact, I have a friend who went there first week. This is 10 years ago, right? It's probably even worse now. First, first week, right? She goes to law school. <laughs> she witnessed a fatal shooting. This is orientation week. It's in the tenderloin. It's, I mean, it's right by City Hall. Uh, I think the problem is that, you know, that, that San Francisco has uh, replaced the likes of Inspector Callahan, a.k.a. Dirty Harry, with a more woke police force uh, resulting in that type of environment. Very sad news, and I am absolutely opposed to it. Now, let's talk about gas prices. Gas prices are going up. We're running out of strategic oil. I mentioned this earlier in the hour, and the U.S. oil industry is now laughing out loud. LOL, I believe, is what the cool kids use as an acronym. Mocking Biden for what? for shutting them down and now going, you know, begging hat in hand the Saudis to produce more oil. I told you yesterday, OPEC announcing that they're cutting production by 2 million barrels, all in an effort to drive up prices. Biden tried to broker a deal 
for eighty dollar uh, a barrel pricing the saudis said what kind of leverage do you have and that's what it is this these people are so dumb they've never operated the business they don't understand that when you operate a business you have to have leverage you can't just ask somebody for something i mean you can do that when you're a politician you're asking for a a donation although even there i believe that you need to get i don't know you need to you need there is still quid pro quo right there's some give and some take uh, but they just think, I don't know, Biden just thought he could call the Saudis up and say, yo, MBS, hook a brother up. Let's get some, let's get some oil here for, you know, for, for 25% under market. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. So now domestic oil producers are going, hey, renew our leases. Hey, fool, you, you want to drop prices? Guess what? You got to go through us. It's an intractable, stupid, dead-end position. Biden is about as decent of a strategist as Putin in the Ukraine. So this is, uh, this is crazy. I mean, but gas prices, of course, are painfully high. They're going up. The 2 million barrels that are slashed or only increased to that pain. And U.S. producers say the Biden administration has smothered domestic production. I think that, I love that word, smothered. I think that's an understatement. I mean, they have asphyxiated local production and, they, uh, by the way, continuing to reject new applications for leases and letting existing leases expire, shutting down pipelines. These people are, and it's all driven by, by the way, the only reason Biden cares about it right now is because there's an election coming up. He wants these prices down for the election, but believe me, the minute that the election is up, what will he want to do? he will want those prices to come back up again because hashtag environment here's Karine jean-pierre the very woke and appropriately oh, what is she she's something on the on on the woke spectrum that makes her very you know desirable in the role of white house spokesperson of course she's an absolute idiot here she's talking about how we were driving down gas prices the president's efforts have made progress bringing down uh, u.s gas prices since the beginning of the summer gas prices are down nearly a dollar and 20 cents and the most common price at gas stations today is three dollars and 29 cents per gallon the president is determined to ensure that progress continues at the president's direction, the Department of Energy will deliver another 10 million barrels from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve to the market next month. As part of the historic 180 million barrel release the president ordered back in March, and the president will continue to direct SPR releases as necessary. Yeah, they're just going to keep continuing to give oil away out of our strategic supply because, you know, we don't really need it into the future. This is the same thing as my, essentially, my primary criticism of supporting Ukraine. I'm not a, a, a typical MAGA conservative commentator who is anti-support of Ukraine. I, I mean, I, I, I think that there are valuable long-term strategic interests held by us to not see uh, Russia, you know, claim that entire territory. But, you know, giving them uh, all of our sophisticated weaponry and depleting our own reserves puts us in a slightly vulnerable position should an armed conflict play out sometime in the near future. I'm not looking at China or anything, but, you know, just saying. 
it's of concern. By the way, to the extent that, uh, my gosh, Biden is in charge of the country, and I doubt he really is significantly, but to the extent that he is, these are all the actions of a person not long for this world. I mean, he's, what has he got? Two years, three, five? I mean, he, he's definitely suffering significant cognitive failure, so what, where are we at? So he's a short game person. Everything he's doing is short game. And he's a boomer, which is, you know, uh, you know, it's, it's all me, me, me. What is it gonna do for me politically? How can I hang on to power? How can I keep the jet? How can I keep myself in the White House? What can I do for moi? As he said to the mayor down there in Florida, don't F with a Biden. That was a direct quote caught on a hot mic yesterday. This man is so gross and disgusting and beneath us. Now, the sad thing is when everybody was running on the Democratic side back in 2020, he was more or less one of the more palatable options. Or don't forget Kamala Harris was running for the presidency in her own right. Oh, I wish she got the nomination because, you know, Trump might still be in office. Nonetheless, uh, I will tell you this, all of this is, is tremendously disappointing. And, and by the way, this Karine Jean-Pierre bragging about prices going down because we're releasing the strategic petroleum reserve. You know, I want to hear, are they going to take responsibility now for prices going up? Probably not. Because more than likely, they're going to pass that blame on to someone else. Take credit when things are quote-unquote good, although I explained all the reasons why that's not technically the case. And then what do we do when things start going bad? Ooh, it's someone else's fault. Uh, Putin, maybe. Yeah, it's Putin's fault. We'll do, with, we'll do that. The What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law. Grateful to have you with us, friends. Check out the podcast, What's Right Show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I'll be back tomorrow, 2 p.m. as I am every weekday here on News Talk, 840 KXNT.